gross. Mm. Dude, that thing was the worst bathroom I've ever smelled in my life. <laughs> That's bad. That's very bad. Jim? Yeah. When you talk on here. Okay, I'll be this loud. I'll try to be this loud. I'm sorry if I'm not, Hank. And into the microphone. Okay, I will try that too. Just remember that. Because when you talk like this into the podcast, because he's usually on his phone like this. Yeah, Yeah, I know. And he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about special teams? Special teams! So stay off your phone. Phone usage. Actually, put it away. Phone usage is zero. Shut up and sit down. And welcome to a special McKinley Week edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Pfeiffer here with Rob Antonell and Jim Matigley. How you boys doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good, Hank. How are you? Oh, fantastic. All right, since McKinley Week is different, you know, it's a little more special than any other point in the season, we have something a little different on tap this week as far as the schedule is concerned. You know, uh, this episode will be released on Monday, and which we're going to cover the Louisville game and just kind of, you know, a little bit of a McKinley week and what's going on with that. Tuesday, we have our first special guest on the podcast. Wednesday, we'll kind of dive into the X's and O's of McKinley and, you know, get a little more technical with that like we usually do on here. And then Thursday, we'll have our second special guest on the podcast. So without further ado, let's uh, dive into it, you know. Louisville, 41 zip, another goose egg, another 40-point game for us. So what would you boys think? I think Louisville is actually a pretty quality team. I think we did a pretty good job of, you know, shutting them down uh, defensively. Uh, when it comes to our offense, you know, we, we had a few big plays. Uh, I think we were able to establish, you know, some of the concepts we wanted to run. You know, we got the JV out there in the second half, got the running clock going. Uh, at the same time, you know, it, it wasn't a super dominant game. You know, for people that didn't watch the game, you didn't listen to the game, you might see 41-0 and just think, the whole thing was we just ran away with it. You know, Louisville is actually a pretty quality team. They they stuffed a few of our runs, I believe. You know, we, we it wasn't easy on us. You know, by any stretch. Uh, at the same time, you know, Louisville had a few chances down deep. You know, in the red zone, I think they got stuffed on the goal line twice. Yeah, twice. Uh, two drives they got stuffed on the goal line. I think they had like it was over five plays ran inside mm-hmm. around five. Yeah, I mean they they intercepted us once. Uh, you know, so I mean, like I said, they were actually a pretty decent team. Uh, I mean, I think it was a pretty good test. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they they made the mistake of, you know, kind of lighting a fire under us right before the game, and ultimately, I think that hurt them. Yeah, you know that to just see that in case you know you're living under a rock, you haven't seen the video, it's or you weren't at the game. You know, the video has been circulating around social media. When we were waiting in the end zone to, you know, kind of run out in front of our fans after they ran out uh, on their field, their whole team kind of walked up and it looked like tried to pick a fight with us, you know. And our team, you know, for the most part, just kind of kept their cool. We're talking right back at them. Nobody did anything, but it was like, all right, you know, it's time to rock and roll. And we're going to show you guys what Madison football is all about. Yeah, and for anybody that didn't see it or hear about it, uh, I mean, from my perspective, I think it was very clear that it was started and instigated by Louisville. You know, we heard some people, they might be Louisville fans. I don't know. You see it online. They, they're they trying to blame us for it. You know, 
by no means can I think you can put this on our kids, our coaching staff whatsoever. You know, we came out of the game, uh, out of the gates, ready to run through the tunnel, just like how I assume every away team has ever done it at mm-hmm. Louisville Stadium. And uh, you know, they went through their tunnel, their banner, and ran right at our kids. You know, so uh, they definitely, you know, from my perspective, started it. And uh, but like you said, there there is no shoving or punches thrown or anything like that you know we just stood our ground right against them you know held the restraint Uh, our coaching staff did a really good job of you know explaining all of that to our kids before the game Mm -hmm. uh you know how important was to you know not cross that line and i think our kids did a really good job of that yeah i think uh even like you know in game they had um they tried to start a couple things you know coming in the pile late uh a couple late hits out of bounds stuff like that and Again, our kids, they kept their cool, kept a level head, and just let Louisville take those penalties and give us free yards. Yeah, Louisville, they definitely had some personal fouls going on. They had a lot more uh, pushing, shoving. Uh, They were pulling kids off of the pile, which they got flagged for a few times. Uh, it, It definitely seemed like they were a lot more... I don't want to say fired up because he, obviously we yeah. were we are pretty fired up ourselves, but it seemed like they weren't able to control themselves in the way that we were, and you know ultimately that ended up hurting them throughout the game. Mm. I, I'd almost call it like they had that almost like a middle school bully mentality, you know, where they tried to they tried to scare us a little bit, working outside the ro- getting a little um, extracurricular, yeah, a little extracurricular activities there and. When we just looked him in the eye, told him bring it on, and you know on the field, hit him harder than they could hit us, they cut that stuff out pretty quick. And getting into the game itself, you know, like you said, our they did a very good job at not stopping our run game, but slowing it down. Uh, we only averaged three point nine yards per rush, which I know for a lot of teams is pretty good, but we averaged closer to five on the season, I think. So kudos to them for. For having a noticeable effect on our run game numbers, um, what they couldn't slow down was our pass game. At ten for fourteen, seventeen yards per attempt is uh, very good. You know, Ballard had two seventy-plus yard bombs. He caught for touchdowns, and not only is it Ballard getting open, you know, beating coverage, but Lefty just putting the ball exactly where it needs to be, throwing it a couple of just beautiful bombs there. Yeah, I mean, we definitely had a, a few big plays in the past game. Uh, like you said, Ballard had those two long, long catches where, you know, you could really see his speed, and he's able to just beat his defender. Uh, Trayvon Morgan had a, had a deep ball catch, uh, caught it down on, like, the one-yard line, went out of bounds. Uh, I mean, that, that was a nice little route combo we had there. Lefty threw it up to him down the sideline, went up, made a catch. You know, he wasn't wide open, yeah. uh, but he went up, made a great play on it. Uh, we we mixed a few things in. Uh, we had uh, we changed our, our mesh route, or at least once we we ran it with a different player. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times you've seen Morgan yeah. coming across the field. Looks like we ran the same play, but with a different player. Just you know, trying to mix it up, uh, have other teams looking at the film of us. You know, uh, see that it's not always him, not so consistent with the same players. Uh, so I think we did a pretty good job with the pass game. Uh, you know, it seems like Lewis will mix it up. A few times honestly you know they started off they started off the game sometimes giving us that six-man box and we are running all over it early yeah uh, I, 
not that I've seen any film, but I really I assume they kind of changed that later on in the game mm-hmm. when they did have a little bit more success stopping the run. And, you know, that's really when we started throwing on them. And there's probably more opportunities where if we really wanted to, we probably could have, you know, passed more. Um, but, I mean, it was 41 nothing. We, we got the point across, kept all our kids healthy. So I, I think it was a really, you know, good game for us in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said about mixing it up a little bit, we did throw in a new play there. Um, well, kind of, it, at least a little change up on a concept we've been running. Um, we don't go three wide with a tight end much, but when we do, you know, we've shown either uh, just a one back power with a pulling guard or inside zone. Um we ran it a little bit different this week where we actually pulled the backside tackle. So now we can run one back power, either pulling the center, the guard, or the tackle. And it's also a pretty nice little change up because that's you're running away from the tight end side as to where we usually run to the tight end, you know? And I think one thing we changed up in during Sun Valley that we didn't get to talk about that we ran more of the same this week was uh, ISO. We ran that a little bit where the fullback is lined up away from the hole that he would normally hit. You know, ISO, you just, your fullback goes downhill and attacks the linebacker immediately. Um, usually we'd line him up behind a guard and he'd hit either the A or the B gap on that side. Sun Valley in this week, we actually changed it up to where he's lining up behind, say, the right guard and then hitting the left A or B gap. So it's a nice little change up, especially considering we tend to run towards the fullback side. So that's a nice false key. If um, people want to start, you know, overloading to that side or over committing to it uh, a lot like what um, East St. Louis did. And that's, I think we've found a lot of success with our counter game with that as well. Defensively, uh, I would say we did more than good, you know, holding them to zero points that that speaks for itself uh net two rushing yards on the day that's not winning football right there even for an offense that prefers to pass rather than run you know they still had 14 rushing attempts and to only get two yards out of that is not how you win a football game yeah i mean our defense really stepped it up uh i think you know, we really held them to, you know, not very many big plays. I remember the one where they kind of had a double move down the sideline uh, where we, re- we were able to chase him down and make a tackle, like maybe inside the 10-yard line or something yeah. like that. Uh, but, I mean, really just being able to step up down in the red zone uh, because Louisville, they got to the red zone on us. They got to the goal line on us. They just weren't able to get into the end zone. So our defense really stepped it up. Uh, I remember even in the second half in the fourth quarter, Louisville was, you know, threatening down, maybe inside the 10, inside the 15-yard line against some of our second unit, maybe third unit players. And uh, we were able to come up with an interception to, to really secure that shutout. So all the way through the game, you know, the full time, uh, you know, we're able to keep that defense mentality up. We really did not want to give up any points. Yeah, and, you know, like you said about the chase down and the interception by our uh, by our more backup guys in the red zone, you could tell those kids wanted the shutout. You know, it's I know our defensive staff, they always want that shutout, but you could tell our kids wanted it just as much as they did. Uh, just for uh, on that first big play they had, for the kid to run down behind them, it's kind of weird to see it not being broils for once. Uh, 
I can't remember if it was either Pedro or Turner, but I think it was Max Turner. It, yeah. it was still, I believe, in the first half, mm-hmm. probably second quarter when it happened. And you know, we brought heavy pressure like we were most of the time. And uh, I don't know if it was like a hitch and go, or th- that's ultimately what it ended up being. Yeah, it, it was kind of funky. Where I don't even know if it was a called double move. Quarterback just kind of threw it up. I, it was probably a hitch and go. We, we jumped all the short routes. That's kind of what the game plan was. Mm-hmm. Forced their quarterback to get the ball out early, and we're going to pressure him. Uh, so we were able to jump a lot of those quick throws. Well, they were able to get just enough time on that one play where they got that hitch and go off. So he jumped the hitch. He threw it over the top. While doing so, he got hit pretty good by one of our blitzing defenders. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Uh, Turner was able to run him down. Uh, I think there was a face mask penalty at the end, which, you know, even made it a a longer play. Mm -hmm. But, you know, never gave up on it. One-on-one on on the outside was able to chase him down and, you know, give our defense a chance. And at the end of the day, we ended up turning that chance into a stop, and it resulted in no points on the board. So, you know, you never want to give up on a play, and that really shows why. Exactly. And, you know, this is one thing. This is a dirty little secret about football that, you know, coaches really can't say out loud but if all you're left with is the option to you know face mask tackle or allow a touchdown you rip that face mask off um you know they went it, it, was, it was not an intentional face mask no no That's, no no i i do understand what you're saying I've, I've heard people say it before especially sometimes like when it comes to kickers maybe i believe you did coach up our kicker to do Don't, that. i didn't coach anybody all right listen i'm i was a player I didn't coach anybody, but maybe I was joking around once and told a kicker, hey, if you're one-on-one on a kickoff return, grab him however you have to grab him, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's that's football. Yeah, that's football. You can't I, expect your kicker to make every tackle. No, unless you get death grip on that face mask, then good to go. Uh, but beyond that, you know, they went 17 for 39 passing with three interceptions, uh, only 3.8 yards per attempt, which is, uh, you know, a big contrast to our 17 yards per attempt. That's not, they're not pushing the ball downfield. Like you said, we got a lot of pressure on them. Since they like to stay in four wide, we more often than not had a free rusher coming in. Um, I don't think we recorded a sack that night, but more than a couple times, we got a hit on the QB as he was getting the ball off. So even if, you know, it doesn't go down, and the box score that still does have an effect on the game on the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a QB pressure is, you know, just as good as a sack throughout the game because now you're forcing him to have that, you know, clock in his head of how long do I have until I have to get the throw off. You know, even when we don't blitz, in the back of his head, he's thinking somebody might be coming off his blind side. It also affects the way that the other t- coach can call plays. So now they're not able to do some of those longer routes. You might not get a deep pass. You might not get some of these crossing routes quite as much because you're forcing them to get the ball out quick. And so when you're able to effectively pressure the quarterback like that, you know, you're going to force them into those quicker passes. And, you know, they were able to get one double move off on us. But, you know, besides that, we really knew exactly what they were going to do. And they knew that. So, you know, they tried game planning around it, but at the end of the day, they, they just weren't capable of making up for it. And, you know, that's that's one reason why, you know, if, if you're able to get that pressure on them, you, you don't always have to get a sack in the stat book. And even in the most extreme cases, it was very apparent in the Ashland game last year that 
when that quarterback he's getting hit hit and pressured like that his mechanics start to break down in the pocket you know he gets the happy feet so his footwork isn't as good and even if he's got the time and he's got the space in the pocket to make the throw he's not gonna get the ball off as well as you would otherwise because his footwork's bad you know everything starts from the ground up your footwork whether you're a quarterback a lineman a linebacker receiver db kicker anything everything starts with your feet and when you're getting pressured like that as a quarterback you know you you can your footwork starts to break down and i don't know if his did i'd have to actually go back and you know rewatch the game and really even have somebody that knows quarterback mechanics better than i do uh also letting me know that but you know uh, that's something that just bring that heavy pressure can really affect them yeah when it comes down to it you know you're dealing with high school kids uh not that it doesn't work at all levels of sports uh you know you you can really get into the mindset of a player you know whether it be high school college even in the nfl Uh, so we talked earlier in the season about home field advantage being a real thing about how you can be so loud you can really distract the players on the field and uh, i mean i think we really brought a, a large fan base to Louisville. It was a great environment uh, for the Tigers, you know, for Louisville as well. You know, it was a packed house, standing room only. And I mean, a few times, I, I think the crowd really played a part in the game. And, you know, I, it's it's definitely nice to see Tiger fans travel well. You know, we don't do it all that often. Uh, and, you know, it's just awesome that where some other teams have a hard time filling the stands, no matter where we go, you always know you're going to have the Tiger faithful behind you. And what else is awesome about that to see is, you know, the crowd getting after it when they need to get after it, you know, because a lot of times it's really frustrating when we start to get loud, when the referee's just spotting the ball and on the first five seconds of the play clock, and then we start to die down before they even get their play in, you know, when that doesn't really affect the game much but like you know east st louis and i think even at, with louisville we you know wait for the game clock to start ticking for them to start trying to get their plays in then get loud yeah that's always been a pet peeve of mine where you know you might have a, a crucial down coming up right so maybe a team's going to go for it on fourth down so you just stopped them on third down you see that they're going to go for it on fourth down and everybody starts cheering right away and they're really loud. They're getting after it. You know, it's so exciting. And the play clock hasn't even started yet. And, you know, you can only keep up the chant for so long before you die down. And by the time you stop your chant, the offense is just now taking the field. So now what could have been really loud and exciting has died down. So, I mean, we, we've always tried our best to kind of wait. Because, you know, you're only going to get a good you know, maybe 10, 15 seconds worth of, of yelling. Uh, so you want to make sure you're doing that right as they're they're going to get ready to snap the ball. Uh, do it at the crucial time. So, I mean, that's definitely something to, you know, think about with this upcoming game this week. Um, but, you know, we, we've always tried our best to, to take care of that. But it, we did really well last week. We had a few, uh, Louisville went for it on fourth down a couple of times, and it was really nice to see the crowd get after it. You know, there was only, I think, only one or two times I'm, I had to yell at the rest of the crowd, like, no, stop, wait. I, I have to do it to Matt every week. <sighs> Anytime I sit with Matt, he gets so excited, he has somebody else to yell with him. And I have to hold him back. He's like, let's get this TIG chant going. I'm like, all right, I'll join you. 
wait 10 seconds. And he's like, no, let Matt, wait 10 seconds. And we, you get twice as many people to join in when you do it at the right time. So, I mean, timing's everything. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like we alluded to, if we can uh, pack the house on Saturday, I, we should have a pretty big effect on them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, McKinley, obviously every year this Massillon McKinley game is, is huge. I mean, that goes without saying. You know, so every McKinley fa- player knows it. Every Massillon player knows it. Um, but McKinley players are not used to being in that type of an environment week in, week out. Whereas, like we said before, Massillon players always know they're going to have that fan base behind them. Whereas if you go to a random McKinley game throughout the year, you know, they, they might have not as many people at their game as we do. Uh, so I think we're going to sell this game out. McKinley's going to bring a lot of fans like they always do for Week 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, But to go with it, we're going to have more fans. We're going to be louder. We're going to know what we're, gonna, what we're doing. It's going to be a lot more coordinated. I loved seeing the away side start a TIG chant in the East St. Louis game because you know how awesome that is for a player. Anybody down on the field hearing one side of the stadium yell TIG, the other side yell ERS when it's that loud. I mean, you're yelling it right over the McKinley sideline. Their coaches are trying to get plays in. Their players are trying to hear calls from their sideline. And, uh, I mean, it's just deafening. So, I mean, I'm definitely excited to hear one of those good back-and-forth chants during the game. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even with them bringing a lot of people, we should have it uh, packed pretty well as well. You know, and it... This almost could have been a showdown for the ages, you know, nine and zero versus almost nine and zero. But they, who do you blame more for that? McKinley dropping the ball or Perry having to play spoiler? Can can I just blame both of them? I mean, is that fair? That's fair. Can I blame McKinley for not yeah. winning, and can I blame Perry for being Perry? Yes. Is that justifiable? That's justifiable. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is blame McKinley for losing. Okay. And uh, I I'm gonna blame Perry. For being Perry. Yeah. They just messed it up. And I mean, good for them for going out and winning a game, but you messed it up. Against an actual opponent, not a couple Canadian teams. Yeah, but you messed it up. Yeah. And the worst part, though, they're probably not going to make the playoffs and we can't knock them out. <laughs> yeah, so we don't even get a chance to play Perry. I mean, there's a chance. Some but it's chance. like a thousandth of a percent chance that I'm, they make the playoffs. I, I don't know I mean, what would have to happen, yeah. but... There's a very, very slight chance Perry can sneak in, but it's not going to happen. You know, if you're betting on that, you might as well go buy a Powerball ticket, too. You have a better chance at winning the lottery, and the reward's better. Can't say you're wrong there. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of transitioning to, you know, McKinley Week here a little bit. Um, besides, you know, besides the big event on Saturday... Uh, Monday is the uh, the Booster Club meeting, 7 p.m. in the auditorium at the high school. Go. Go. Go to the Booster Club meeting. It's not just a Booster Club meeting. It's it's more like a rally. Yeah. You know, the band's going to be there, the cheerleaders. I think all of the senior players, all of the coaches, and, you know, everybody's going to be there. I'm sure they're going to do a lot of film breakdown. It, film's a much more visual thing, you know. While we try and explain our best of what you're going to see on Saturday, is sometimes it's helpful to actually see what you're going to see on Saturday. Um, along with that, you know, you could stop by uh, B Dubs either before or after. They're having a fundraiser there from four to nine uh, all day. Actually, no, it's noon to seven. You can stop by the uh, Mass and Rec Center for the blood battle. 
you know, we're undefeated in that, and we're trying to keep it that way. Uh, Tuesday, it blood drive at 7.30 in the auxiliary gym at the high school. Uh, touchdown club at 11.30 at the Eagles. Wednesday, uh, there's the Madison McKinley breakfast at the, you know, can't, that's just for the players, but still, that was always fun for us. Um, at, but the freshman football game, 7 p.m. at uh, McKinley's Don Scott Field. Thursday, the open house at the high school, 6 to 8, and the swing band has a concert in the gym at 7 o'clock. Uh, Friday, there's the rotary lunch with at the Eagles at 11.30. Jim Tressel is going to be the guest speaker there. I think tickets are $25. Does that sound right? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. I'm going to say that sounds right. Uh, and then the you know the Beat McKinley Rally at one fifteen at the high school. Um, the Paul Brown Museum. They're having a soft opening from four to nine p.m. at the museum. Uh, they're gonna have a tailgate there. Unfortunately, a dry one, but uh, you know still go. It'll be cool to see. And then uh, obviously the parade at uh, seven o'clock downtown. Don't uh, forget the bonfire afterwards. And then the bonfire at the rec center afterwards. Yes. And then Saturday, you know, there's obviously kickoffs at 2 p.m., but Pfeiffer household, we start at 4.30 in the morning. You know, I figure we'll get to the stadium and start getting after it, tailgating about 7-ish. Yeah, I think that's that's the plan. It's what we did the last time. Uh, so we'll get over here 4.30-ish, maybe closer to 5. Uh, you know, we'll have some of the world-famous Wimpy Burgers. Yep. Uh, and then we'll, we'll plan on getting up to the tailgate lot at a, at about 7 a.m. So anybody that plans on coming up to tailgate, you know, come see us anytime after 7 a.m. You know, we're, we'd be glad to have as many people up there as possible. Yeah, you know. Uh, so anybody that thinks, you know, my friends aren't, are getting there too late, I don't want to go early, come and join us for an hour before your friends get there. That's fine. Yeah, you know, come party. Uh, I think we have a, a year-old community case of hams. We'll be more than happy to share with anybody of legal drinking age. You know, we'll, we're checking IDs at the door. <laughs> but uh, but no, it, it's, it, you know, the McKinley game, it's always a great atmosphere, even before kickoff, just to see everybody there. A couple years ago, you got a video of it. It was a packed house. I'm so mad at myself for not saving that video. Jim says he has it i doubt that he has it but uh i stood up on top of our trailer mm-hmm. and just did an aerial view of of the tailgating lot uh similar to what a low flying drone would do and i mean it it was really packed the entire lot was and i expected to be like that if not better this year uh, i mean there's gonna be a lot of people so yes yeah, so you always find somebody up in that north tailgating lot that you know you know so don't be afraid to just come walk by you know even if you aren't sure you know who's going to be up there everyone's going to be up there yeah and if they weren't already planning on being up there now they will be you know so grab your friends head on up to the north lot uh before kickoff and you know find a group to hang out with you know there's going to be a lot of people you know our our spot always fills up with people i don't even know who they are sometimes and that's perfectly fine everybody's having a great time there's music there's food you know anything that you could want you know a lot of people have cornhole and those types of tailgating games out as well so i mean it's just a fun environment you know to have a thousand two thousand people hanging out before the game even starts so i mean it's just a great environment and you know it's it's just something you definitely want to join in on 
So um, when do the gates open? Uh, where can you get tickets this week? Uh, I don't know. Uh, for people that don't have tickets yet, uh, does anybody know when they open? So I, I haven't heard that it's officially sold out. Uh, I know it's been kind of difficult to get tickets for a while now um, in the sense that you kind of have to buy singles. You can't really find tickets next to each other. Um, but they haven't actually said it's sold out yet, so I'm sure you can still get tickets. Uh, the ticket office, I think they're traditionally not open on Monday, so I think it's maybe Tuesday through Friday, Tuesday through Thursday. I, you can find all of this online Yeah. Uh, if you look when the ticket office is open. Mass and Proud or MassandTigers.com, I'm sure they have that. I think I th- just traditionally I think the ticket office is open from like 9 to one thirty or something like that. Um, I think there's also a website where you can actually just get the tickets, like like a Ticketmaster type thing. I think they might actually use Ticketmaster, uh, one of those types of sites. Uh, so you, you can find more information online um, if you if you really need to. They n- haven't said it's sold out yet, so I'm sure there's still tickets. It's just not easy to find them. Uh, the gates open. That that's a great question. I don't know, yeah. a couple hours before kickoff, maybe so, uh, something like that. Maybe yeah. like noon. I'm not sure. Probably that sounds right. I don't know. You'll be able to see it if you go and tailgate. You know, you when people start filling in the stands. Yeah, there's not a there's not a huge need to get in early. Mm-hmm. It's not know, general unless, admission, so yeah. I mean, unless you had a general admission ticket where you really want a good spot. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really not necessary uh, to get in super early. And you know, kickoffs at two. We'll have an episode in a couple of days, kind of diving into what you might expect during that time and hopefully by around uh, 5 p.m the tigers are gonna be ringing that bell yes so uh i guess that's it for the uh the first special mckinley week edition of the black swarm podcast we'll uh we'll be back tomorrow with our first special guest Uh, i think we'll save that for who that is for when we actually release it and i think it's a good conversation mostly him talking but it's worth a listen. You guys will enjoy it. Yeah, if nothing else, it's good because the guest is doing most of the talking, not us. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get those four episodes out this week, one each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and then so that you can spend most of your day Friday if, if you choose to go to the rally, uh, the soft opening for the Paul Brown Museum, uh, the parade, the bonfire, all of that. We know it's a long day. Uh, so we'll get these four episodes out. You know, Hopefully this one's shorter. Uh, plan for the X's and O's of the McKinley podcast to, to be a little bit shorter as well. Yeah. Uh, and then the guest ones. You know, We, we definitely don't want to cut them off, but at the same time, they're pretty busy people. So you'll, we'll see how that time frame goes. Mm-hmm. I know for the first one, it, he brought it, you know, I'll be honest. I wasn't that great on it. It was kind of, you know, we were off schedule a little bit, so I wasn't quite prepared. But, you know, just listen to him, not me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still a quality podcast. I mean, I, I wasn't prepared for it either, and he, he really stole the show. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, come for the guest, stay for the guest. Uh, that That's going to be the name of that podcast. I guess we just named that podcast then. So, yeah, you know, and as always, you can contact us at Black Swarm Pod on Twitter, the Black Swarm Podcast on Facebook, the Black Swarm Podcast at gmail.com. You know, we've gotten a little bit of fan mail from there, and we appreciate you guys sending that in. Um, so we'll talk. Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate hearing all the feedback. Uh, you know, we get messages on Twitter, Facebook. We get some emails. Uh, you know, sometimes we get stopped at the games. 
or yeah. at Booster Club meetings, you know, public events where, you know, people just, you know, tell us about it. And we always appreciate hearing those kind of things, you know, especially from, honestly, some people I, I don't personally know, you know. So yeah. the fact that they they recognize us and, you know, they, they say hi, you know, they like what we're doing or they don't like what we're doing either way. Yeah. You know, we, we definitely appreciate all the feedback. And we still, you know, like you said, it, like it or don't we still want to hear from you even if we don't get back to you in a timely manner you know we still see it and we appreciate any input you got so uh i guess we'll be back uh, tomorrow and go tigers beat mckinley go tigers beat mckinley go tigers